The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Move through blocks and fulfill your passion and purpose. This is Stop Stopping Yourself with your host, Vincent Jenna. That's right, with your host, Vincent Jenna. And guess what? I am Vincent Jenna. And this is the Stop Stopping Yourself show. And I am delighted to be here and very grateful for all the listeners out there who listen, who download the podcast. This, these are wonderful episodes to be able to listen to. And I try to get you as much information that's going to help you, help you unblock, help you to stop stopping yourself and become unstoppable. Obviously, that's the name of my show. Um, and, and today we're going to have um, what I enjoy doing. What I really enjoy doing is clarifying things for people, especially spiritual, spiritual principles and concepts. And the uh, Bible was one of those places that we, in our earliest moments, tried to write down some spiritual principles. Of course, then it was turned into a religion. Um, and used as religion rather than a teaching instrument for spiritual growth. It, it, it became more about um, what you need to do in order to get to heaven type of thing versus what you need to do to grow here. here. So we're going to talk about that today, and it's my favorite time of year, the holiday season of joy and peace and love all over the world. Um, someplace, somewhere on this planet, people are celebrating this time of year in December, there are so many holidays, and we did talk about that uh, last week. Um, this will be our last show of the year. Um, next week will be a rerun, a replay, and then um, also I have my show happen to be on January 1st, so that will be another rerun, and I will be back on January 8th live, right? January 8th. 2020. Oh my gosh, 2020. When I was a kid, I didn't even think that 2020 that I could be alive. You know, it's just like, oh my God, I'm going to be so old and decrepit in 2020. Well, I am not old and decrepit, okay? Um, I will be 65 in 2020, but I'm sorry, the 65 is the new uh, 50. Um, not 40. I'll say 40. I like 40 better than, than, than 50 anyway. Uh, so, so it's a nice even number. And so, yeah, we're, we're different today because we think differently. We live differently and it extends your age. So I'm, I'm actually quite thrilled, quite glorious over the fact that I will be 65. Yes, it's odd. It's strange. But I enjoy getting older because every single year, I like to believe I'm also getting wiser and taking on new information. And a place like Unity Online Radio is a wonderful place and all the experiences I have. 
And again, Christmas to me is um, such a joyous season. I like slowing it down and having such a great time with it. But I really want to get across to all of the listeners today the real meaning of Christmas. Now, you you hear that all the time, right? Um, And Hallmark has a million and one... um, television movies, Christmas movies, and in it, the characters are always talking about getting the real meaning of Christmas, right? The love, it's not about the presents, it's not even about the Christmas tree, it's about family, it's about um, people doing things together and helping each other and sharing all of that joy and connection, and that's wonderful, and that is true too, that is a good time to do all of that, however... However, there is even a deeper non-Hallmark meaning to Christmas, a spiritual, deep spiritual meaning to Christmas, and why we have actually been inspired to create it as such. And the story of Christmas tells us the deep meaning, the actual story and contents. You have to understand that, yes, Man was inspired to write the stories in the Bible. Now, whether the inspiration actually came from the God source or it just strictly came from their souls knowing uh, that they are connected to the God force, because, you know, we have to understand, and, and, and this may be, again, some principles here, or teachings, even on this radio program or this radio network, that there we are capable of thinking separately from God. Now, that doesn't mean we are separated from God. Please get that understanding. But our human thinking ability can think one way. Our soulful thinking ability can think one way. And then our soul connected to source, to spirit, to God can think another way as well. So the soul will definitely give us insight and intuition. And based on the soul's growth, the soul grows too. That's why we keep coming back. We're not coming back for human growth. We're coming back for soulful growth. So if the soul only thought like God then we'd be there already now, wouldn't we? Right? We wouldn't be making some of the same lower choices, whether it be here or whether it be on the other side. So obviously, there is a separateness in the thinking, okay? There is not a separateness as far as the connection and being able to tap into the God power, spirit power. That's the law of attraction and the law of manifesting. However, the choices that we make are strictly our own, our own choices. So therefore, even some of the inspirations we receive can be our own inspirations. They could be the higher soul that the God force created communicating with us to tell us some some wonderful higher vibrational things and, and, and ideas right? So when we say that the Bible was written by God, that's a misnomer. That is a fallacy. 
Some of it was definitely inspired, like God may have said as man was writing it, as each one of the authors were writing, he was writing his part. And I keep saying he because the only parts that were canonized in the Bible were written by men and men only. Um, the Gospel According to Mary Magdalene, which was a great influence, you're going to have to get on a, a separate book for, and they have it. Just research Gospel According to Mary Magdalene. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, it's better than John's. It's um, I've, I've read it. And, of course, they would eliminate it because that gospel does not have Ma as Mary Magdalene as a whore, and she never was a whore. Oh, good Lord. Um, yeah, that, that was another way of suppressing women, right? Make them the evil one, you know? Make Eve, which is actually your intuition that made you bite the apple, not a woman. <laughs> I love that. You know, try telling my wife she can get me to eat everything that she makes or brings to me. No way! I'm not going to like everything, and I've certainly got my own mind. Now, was you, you saying that Adam was weak-minded back then? Well, there wasn't even an Adam and an Eve. Your Adam represents your left brain thinking, and Eve represents your right brain, your divine feminine, your divine masculine. And sometimes the intuition can get a little messed up uh, because it, it doesn't always connect and ask the God source or spirit the best thing to do, especially in the beginning. Oh my gosh, that intuition was so immature. It was ridiculous. So therefore, the stories that are written then are written for special reasons. And you have to understand that, okay? It, it, was, it was the, and most of the men who did write for the Bible were intellects. Uh, they were quite educated men at, at at one point. They became very educated. And their contributions were to help us grow and learn about ourselves. You do not need an entire Bible to teach you about God. It only takes one small text, okay, it's the power behind everything. There you go. Bingo. You now know what God is, okay? Oh, there could be some subtext or maybe um, uh, um, an, another book, another series. But you don't need this whole Bible, okay? The Bible was written for us about us, not about God, about us. And in the stories of us it kept telling us what we can do in relationship to god but it wasn't about god right it and when jesus came down the new testament that is also not about god yes jesus is telling us what god promises us but it had to do with us he's trying to teach us who we were, our relationship with God, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with each other. It had nothing to do with just teaching us who God was, right? Of course God would care for you because he loves you and, and he would 
supply for you, everything that he has created, you can tap into. That's how much he loved you. And and so that is really about us, not about God. It's about our values, right? So when I'm working with a client and I'm teaching them their value, you know, maybe they forgot how much their mother and their fathers loved them. I don't start talking about the personality traits and and the 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 character traits of their mother and their fathers i talk about how valuable they were the client was and is right for mom dad to give you they gave you this because you're valuable because you're worthy so all the stories then have to be about us even the story of Jesus. Okay, you know, yes, we want to talk about a most humble man coming to the earth and that everybody had to worship. It was told to worship because he is going to be your savior. And then all of a sudden, he's born in a manger, of course, because where would the most humble being who ever existed be born? In a manger. I can think of some other places that you can be born and still remain humble. But the story is about a manger, right? A, a barn. A barn where there was animals. And the funny thing is that the animals, if, you know, with the birth and with Mary and with Joseph, they were very peaceful. They naturally felt this peace, right? And, and so they allowed everybody to come. And then, of course, how many miles away, a thousand miles away, the three kings had seen the star, three different kings of three different countries, came together knowing they were to follow this star and give worship to this baby who was being born, okay? Um, yes, that is an attempt, if used by religion, to show the importance of this child, this, the importance of Jesus. I mean, he was so important, then, of course, Herod sent out an order to want to kill him or kill any of the babies, right? So what then, therefore, could that have to do with us? Other than you got to pay attention to the fact that Jesus is our Savior and he's the most important being around and here's, here's his beginning story, okay? So... Why would that story cause me to respect and honor Jesus anymore with the way it was written? Why would it be necessary that a shepherd would come and worship Jesus? So is, is, is that to tell me that all mankind, all humankind came to worship this baby. Now, here is, again, the interesting thing about that. Um, they, shepherds were men, okay? It was a little drummer boy. The only female in this entire story is Mary. Of course, then they put up a female angel, but there were no others, you know, that, that said to come. The angels didn't go to the tents in the towns, 
they didn't appear to the town of Bethlehem and and say go. They didn't even go to the temple. Well, of course, they didn't want to go to the temple because Herod was in there. But there were still other followers, other Jewish people who believed in God and who was waiting for this Messiah. So why didn't the angels go? Why isn't the story about everybody in Bethlehem going and seeing this baby? Okay. Well, because that's that's what I'm saying. That there is missing pieces, there is missing interpretation of all of that. And so we miss the true meaning of everything. Most of the stories in the Bible are all symbolic. So they use real characters and they use some history, but the primary thing that they use is symbolism. Symbolism. Okay. Here's the metaphysical meaning to some of the story within the nativity the whole story about Jesus's birth. The idea of being born in a barn brings us down to the lowest common denominator with the earth. So when we're first born, we truly are. When we were created, when we were created, we were nothing more other than, other than, yes, we were different than the animals, but we were like, likened to infants and little children without a full mind and without full development and without full understanding. The only thing we had, the only thing we had was intuition was intuition, was light, was light. That light was reflected from the very beginning. And because of intuition and because of that light, we will attract to us all that is good, all that will tell us and assure us and remind us that we are connected to a higher source. Thus, the shepherds, the people that were right there, were told by the angels. What's really meant is Jesus' light, that light of new birth within you, will attract to you validation from the outer world People will come and see your light. They'll validate that light. And there may be others that will see the light and not show up because they're a little afraid of the light. But that light will attract a certain kind of worship. Appreciation is a form of worship. A thank you is a form of worship. An acknowledgement of your light is a form of worship. All of that. Worshiping doesn't just mean throwing yourself down on your knees in glory and saying thank you to be to God and thank you to my Savior. Okay? Elvis Presley was worshipped, literally. They prayed to him. Um, the Beatles were worshipped. People, all these stars are worshipped, meaning, meaning we give them great value. 
We see their worth. We see their talent. We acknowledge it within the form of some kind of um, accolade or reverence or appreciation, which is also some form of worship, if we use the word in a very broad sense, okay? So your light will attract validation of your worth and value even in your infancy stages, okay? So that's the beginning part of understanding of who we are as spiritual beings. We don't have to be adults. We don't have to. Isn't it amazing that they skip and they cut out all the interim interim years of Jesus, this most important figure, this God becoming man, and meanwhile, nothing else in his life is important except his birth and his death. There, there, you've got to understand there's a reason for that, right? Again, the symbolism and understanding, the teachings were the most important part of who Jesus was. But they also left out the part that he was a normal man trying to find himself. That's the reason why they left it out. They didn't want you seeing his struggles. They didn't want you to know his arguments with mom and dad every time he wanted to go off to the temple. And I don't believe he always ran off to the temple every single day. I believe he was very spiritually minded. Yes, there are stories of how when he was a little bit older, he was lost and he was in his father's temple. That's about it. You see him as a, a, a young boy. And, and that's one of the last things you hear about Jesus until his, his 33rd birthday and he starts doing his ministry. So, so you, you then assume that he continued to have these interests. Well, yes, he was growing. He was experiencing life. He was learning who he was meant to be and when this, you know, what he was meant to do. He started, you know, wondering. He was working for his father as a carpenter, which I find really also an interesting piece here. But when Easter comes, we'll talk about the metaphysical meaning to Easter. Think about the idea between now and then. We've got plenty of time, but think about this for a moment. Why the setting, Joseph, his father, could have been a, a metalsmith learning how to, or clay, a pottery maker, um, a shepherd himself, a herder. Why was Joseph a carpenter and Jesus was learning how to build things out of wood and all the crucifixes that they that the Romans used were all wood. It was all carved out of wood. Do, do you find it a little ironic that Jesus would be somehow making his own cross without knowing that he was making it? There is a symbolic meaning right there in the cross we bear. We create ourselves. So we'll get back to that in a several months from now. But right now, let's get back to the fact that here is Joseph. Oh, very profound. I'm going to sneeze. Hold on. Okay, that's really funny. I only sneeze when I'm in the middle of talking on profound statements. So there you go. Think of that. The cross to bear and the cross that Jesus was actually carving out for himself. That is a metaphor. 
and a metaphysical meaning. So back to Jesus when he was an infant and um, using huggy diapers, um, um, I, I guess some form of that. I mean, it's really hard to think, right? Think about this for a minute, you know? We jump out of the baby phase really quick, you know, because we certainly don't want to be thinking of Joseph changing Jesus's diaper one day and forgetting to cover his little weenie. And there he goes peeing all over everybody. Right. No, we don't talk about that because we don't want to think that Jesus was that human. God wouldn't pee on his father. Okay, so um, any, anyway, uh, just, a, just a, a view that we need to think, right? So we only keep the inspirational stuff in there. Again, the meaningful stuff. So Jesus as an infant represents our souls, our infancy as beings with God or Christ's. Right, Christ means man with God. That is the literal Greek translation from ancient Greek. Okay, so we are infants when we are first born, but still connected to God. We will get the validation of our light, of our connection, through the way the world treats us while we're infants. Okay, why is that important to understand now? Because in our youths, that's when we lose the understanding of our connection with spirit. Because of the way we are treated, we are not validated. There are no people coming to us and worshiping us and honoring us. Not really. Maybe some. Maybe, you know, some of your, your parents, really good friends. But just think of the stress. Think of some of the stories that are out there and the way people have grown up. There is no nurturing into believing in our divinity. There is no honoring of who we are as children. We're, we're, we're fortunate in enough to have any survival um, treatment whatsoever, being in a home, having parents. I mean, there's so many adopted children in the world today that have been given up. We're going to continue this because I see that we're at our commercial break. But think about that for a moment while we're gone. And on, on the other side, I'll continue with the story. But think about why we lose that connection as right in our youths because we don't have the same people, the same honoring of that light, that divine light within us as we are supposed to, as Jesus did when he was first born. That is the meaning of that part of the story. So I'll see you on the other side of the break, and we're going to go on because you'll be real interested to find out what the three kings represent. So I'll see you in just a minute. Hi, I'm Reverend Linda Martella Witset with Silent Unity, reminding you that we are here for you during the holidays to support you with affirmative prayer and inspiration. From all of us at Silent Unity, we wish you a beautiful and blessed holiday season. Welcome back to Stop Stopping Yourself with Vincent Jenna. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Everywhere you go, yes, it's looking like Christmas, and we're talking about Christmas. We're talking about the meaning of Christ, 
which is Christ mass. Okay. An acknowledgement and understanding of, of what the true meaning of Christmas is. Okay. So when we left off before the commercial break, I was talking about how the, the infant of Jesus represented us when we are first created, when we were first created, and when we came into the world. We were, as Jesus, infants in knowledge and wisdom. However, always and still connected to the God source, that represented the light, the light, the star above Jesus, above his birth, was representational of the, the Christ that was born, the child with God or man with God. Uh, the angels announced it, that upon this creation, upon this birth, is the, the salvation, the understanding Okay, the understanding, the healing, so the story, and, and, and it states it, okay, that Jesus was the Savior. Okay, now what is really meant by that? Now, we in New Thought understand that we don't need to be saved, and that's because we took this this deep down understanding and of course what we do a lot is we manipulate it and we reform it and we change it around and the deep down understanding at that time period is when we were created to start with we don't need any saving as time went on and we completely forgot who we were and we were going in a wrong direction we weren't going at all we weren't growing um, we were hurting each other killing each other kind of like what we're still doing today right? The saving part was the, the example of Jesus coming down to give the example of who we are, to wake us up. Waking up is what's going to really allow us to continue to grow and move forward. So in that understanding, that's kind of like a saving, okay? A saving grace or... Um, you know, um, um, a food saver so that it, the food doesn't rot. You put it in this, this sealed bag, okay? So again, it's all metaphoric and symbolic, even the concept of saving. It is not literal because obviously we don't need to be saved. We know that. We don't die. Our souls don't die. Our bodies, we just leave our bodies and we transition to our energy form. So, Let's get back then to the story. So we've got infant Jesus, and that light is always present, even in the child. And as long as it's not diminished, then the world, which is represented by the shepherds and some of the town people coming to worship Jesus's birth and going to the stable to see him, Okay, and and wondered about this glory. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful baby! All right, that is about how your light, even um, as young, will be seen. It will be present. However, before we left for the commercial break, I was talking about, and I asked you to think about times, think about the story of your own youth, to see how that light can can be and could have been diminished. 
It wasn't seen. There wasn't a star. There wasn't a, a worshiping of you and a glorifying of you and an honoring of you and a nurturing, truly nurturing you into believing in your light and believing that you were connected to a greater force. So there's where a disconnect came. Okay, and the only way to reconnect is by remembering that you are always one with that source and spirit or God. You are a Christ. Each and every one of us is a Christ. Okay, <clears throat> and we need a mass or a celebration. That's what mass is. Mass is a celebration, right? It's a Christian term for a celebration of the of the Eucharist of of the meaning that Jesus had given us to remind us the meaning of who we were so it's Christ man with God celebration so celebrating the fact that you are one with God that is what the word Christmas was all about and exactly what we're supposed to be doing so let's talk about the rest of the symbolism, which is really important, especially the three kings. So here you have an infant in a barn, in a manger, humble, modest, not evolved, but still connected to the God force. And three kings come automatically because they recognize the importance of this connection the importance not of the infant but of the being they did not come to honor the baby they came to honor what the baby represented and it was three of them how come it wasn't four were there only other than Israel? There was only other three other countries, right? Oh, but they were the wise ones. Maybe there were other kings in the nation, in the world, on the other side of the, the globe. But there only three wise ones came. Why three then? Why not four wise ones? How about five wise ones or even two wise ones? Why? Because... The wise men, the wise men represented and being kings mean they were the top. They were the most important factors of their country. They were the most important factors of life where they came from. What are the three most important factors of life of who we are in life today? What are those three most important factors? Body, mind, and spirit. The three magi represent body, mind, and spirit. And that each one is a king of its own representation and is of valid importance. While we are here on this earth, it is absolutely vital to be paying attention to your body. It is vital to pay attention to your mind, and it's vital to pay attention to your spirit because that's what we are made of. There is not one more, more worthy. It wasn't a king and a prince 
or a king and a queen even it was three different kings now how do i know they represented body mind and spirit because of the gifts they brought jesus that is the inspiration why these particular gifts why did the author of the nativity story decide that one king was going to bring gold one king was going to bring bring frankincense and one king was going to bring myrrh why not some other of their their foods their 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 famous foods right why not um something more all three materialistic things okay why gold frankincense and myrrh and it has nothing to do with previous meanings of that what is gold for where do we use gold do we use gold in the spiritual world no we don't we only use gold in a physical world and gold is the highest quality it's the highest especially back then gold was the most that represented all the riches right everybody that was wealthy all the kings everything was made of gold it wasn't just made of silver it was made of gold gold was the valuable thing because it sparkled um you know silver was used for swords and shields and armors and things like that so it did not have the same value as gold gold was used to to adorn and to decorate okay and to also show um uh, wealth and riches money was made in the form of using gold okay so the one king brings gold which was representative of the value of your physical the value of body it's the riches of the body the other king brings myrrh what does myrrh do myrrh helps to calm and helps you focus your mind it was a symbolism of your mind and the value of your mind and frankincense then and therefore if you think about it why is frankincense used in all of rituals and, and and of course it's christian rituals yeah because the king brought the frankincense and the myrrh so they wind up using the frankincense there is something else that frankincense does if you look at aromatherapy right it clears channels it it puts you in a different frame of mind and senses so that's why frankincense and myrrh go together spirit and mind go together a lot because you have to think properly in order to have the proper spirit so they work hand in hand with each other but every time i smelled frankincense since i was a little kid before i even knew about the kings and about jesus and about frankincense and myrrh always put me in a spiritual feeling like i started thinking about god when i smelled as soon as i smelled frankincense it's an aromatherapy it reminds us of our connection and that's the reason why it was used i mean there are so many other er you know um 
uh, aromas out there and fragrances out there. Why didn't they bring lavender? Why? Because frankincense was the most common fragrance out there? No, they made frankincense. They used frankincense because of what it made them feel. And we were very ritualistic people back in those days. We've performed, we sacrificed lambs and and other animals, and we, we burned things, and we gathered things, and we um, created all of these aromas with herbs and fragrances and all those different things. We did that. And so we did that for reasons because of the way it made us feel. So frankincense was absolutely used and is still used today for the exact same reason. Is it just gets you in this different mindset. And myrrh is also another one of those fragrances that just settles the thoughts. It clears your thinking capacities. So here you have the three kings, which acknowledges your three most important primary honorings of your creation, your body, mind, and spirit, and that, and you're supposed to treat each one as your king and as your kingdom. That is your king in your kingdom. So, so here you have the Magi coming and, and coming to honor, right? And so when here we are created, we are connected to the light. We're validated by the, by the light. And then we must recognize that in this world, we are just not the light. The light is connected to your body, to your mind, and is your spirit, and your soul, your soul connection to remind you of that. That's where your soul is. You know, clear up the connection within you so that you can see that. And and when we celebrate Christmas and when we, we, we truly tap in, we're reminding ourselves of the glory of who we are and the 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 depth and the importance and the vibrational importance of us as body mind and spirit while we're here when we're on the other side that'll be something else okay we'll be we'll be growing more just paying attention to mind and spirit over there but while we're over here is is what's important to us because here is where we have forgotten and so we created the story of Jesus, which, by the way, was not written and not created until over 300 years after Jesus died. Why? Why did it take that long? Why? Because people had to learn how to write. There was writing for the longest time. The Old Testament was way written before the New Testament was. So they knew writing. Why did it take so long? Because we had forgotten. We forgot what was being said. We forgot um, what, what Jesus had taught, what he was trying to teach, what the disciples were trying to teach. So all of these stories then started to be formed to remind us. And it was included. So, so here is the crazy part. If Christianity and from Jesus on the New Testament was supposed to be so different and not associated with our Old Testament, with the, the Jewish part of who we are, why was it included in the same book? Why, because Jesus said, no, no, remember, everything that was written about Jesus was written 300 years later. 
Okay, there was no true Bible. There was the Torah. There were those were the five books of the Bible. It wasn't the Bible that you see today. It wasn't a new a King James Version or a, a new Bible or a New Thought Bible. There was no Bible the way it was today. It was the Torah. That was it. It was those writings there that Jesus practiced, those stories that were originally written of the five books, which was the most important five books, okay, that included creation, that included some of those stories in there. And then afterwards, so when Jesus said, I am the New Testament, that's when it was, we said he said that, or they, the man who wrote what Jesus said, Matthew, John, all of them that wrote what Jesus said, wrote that Jesus said Testament. He didn't say Testament because there was no Old Testament. Understand that. <clears throat> so there are so many things just like which I am going to do for you today before I leave the Lord's Prayer. We change those words too. Okay, the original words were debts, and we say, and we changed it. We, I keep saying we as if I was part of the writing. I wasn't part of the writing. I don't know the guy who was, but I assure you again, it was another guy. Wanted to change it, wanted to make it sound even worse. So it's not debts, it's trespasses. Oh, forgive us our trespasses, you evil one, you, right? Debt doesn't sound the same. Right. So if we change some of Jesus's words, I can assure you we changed many of Jesus's words. And I've constantly have said that. Right. Every time Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I and my father are one. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. The rest of those sentences were. And so are you. Which was the whole reason for the nativity to show us that we are connected with the light that our king and kingdom is the body, mind, and spirit while we are here on this planet. And that if we remember that and celebrate, celebrate the Christ, the Christ within each of us, there will be goodwill, there will be love, there will be peace shared because we wouldn't want to act in any other way. We only act that way, the way we act now because our lights were diminished. So here, I'm going to do for you, people constantly ask me this. I still haven't written it out, but I would like you to write it out. I am going to give you the metaphysical meaning to the Lord's Prayer. The reason why it was given, or, or yeah, the Our Father. Jesus' people ask Jesus, how do you pray? And Jesus gave this prayer. Now, here's what's interesting. Through Jesus' teaching, he said, Ask and ye shall receive. Remember what our Father will do for you. Without the asking, though we don't have to ask for everything. He didn't say that. That if there's things we're seeking, ask. But everything else is provided for. That's what Jesus taught. So then let me ask you this. When you read... The Our Father, it's requesting things of God. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Why would Jesus teach us to ask for something from God if God supplies without our asking? So does that mean that when we were growing up and it was dinner time or lunch time or breakfast or we had to go to school, we should have gone up to our parents and say, Mother, Father, please feed me and please feed me good food. And could you also please clothe me before I go to school? That That's what we should have done. Otherwise, mom and dad wouldn't have done any of that. They, 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 they should have held it back until we asked. Based on this prayer, we're being told that we have to ask God for our daily bread, even though Jesus said also at the same talk that we were supplied everything. Right? Look at the lilies of the field in in all God's glory that Solomon couldn't create a cloak as as abundant and that all you have to do, a bird neither sows nor reaps, yet it is fed. If God is willing to do that for the lowest of creatures, isn't he willing to do that for the highest of creatures? And he's talking about abundance and he's talking about all this stuff that's automatically there. But then he turns around and he tells us, well, in order to get all of it, you got to pray for it. So therefore, the reason why I'm bringing that up, therefore, then the prayer is for a different reason. The prayer is for acknowledging and reminding ourselves of who we are. And we should be doing this on a daily basis. So here is the true meaning of the Our Father. And I'll do it line by line. Our Father, which art in heaven. To the spirit that I am that resides in me, hallowed be thy name. You are glorious, you're sacred, you're magnificent. Thy kingdom come. That heaven with you in me is here and now with me. Thy will be done. I will give over to my higher self. In earth as it is in heaven, I will give over to my higher self in this physical plane as I do in my highest plane. Give us this day our daily bread. Constantly feed me with guidance and spiritual food that I may continue to grow. Forgive us our debts. Remind me that I don't owe anything for any of this, that I don't owe a neighbor, that I don't owe myself anything, as long as I remember all of this. And as we forgive our debtors, and remind me that no one owes me anything because I have and am everything. Everything I feel I need and want, I already am. Therefore, I don't owe me anything and no one else owes me anything. And lead us not into temptation. 
Help me to remember that you are my greatest guidance and my greatest self so that I don't feel less than, so I don't feel the lack of my godness, which will tempt me into separating from you. But deliver me from evil. Constantly remind me and let me know and validate that I can never lose my connection with you because that is the only thing that is evil. Evilness is the lack of God. It is not a being. It is not just the way that I act. It is the way that I feel. Keep me from feeling detached from my highest part of me, from my godness. For thine is the kingdom and the glory forever. Amen. For this is all there is. Here, there, and anywhere is the full kingdom that I am part of and you are part of with me. Forever onto eternity. It can never be any other way. I acknowledge this fully. In this I declare. Amen. Okay. That is the meaning. It's a reminding us of who we are, our connection with God, that we're constantly fed, we're constantly guided. I want to thank you today for joining me. I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. It's Hanukkah 2 coming up. I'll be celebrating that along with everybody else. And Happy New Year into 2020. And we will talk about 2020 when we come back. I love you all. Thank you for listening. This is the Stop Stopping Yourself show. I'm your host, Vincent Jenna. God bless each and every one of us. As Tiny Tim said, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark, on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.